Hi, everyone on Facebook, YouTube. Uh, where else are we? LinkedIn. Uh, I know we just went live, so hopefully you are jumping on, catching us. I see some people jumping on already. So welcome. Welcome to the Event Hustler Show. This is a fun opportunity every Wednesday to talk to amazing people in the industry and, and really just uh, share ideas, talk about things that we all wish we could talk about. The idea of this podcast really came about because I have a billion great conversations every week with amazing event profs, but they're usually on Zoom or on the phone. And most of the time I hang up and I'm thinking, man, I bet everyone wishes they could have just been part of that conversation and heard what we had to say. So um, we get to share it with you by joining these, uh, these doing the podcast. So thank you for joining. I do see we have some live watchers already. So please put your questions, your comments, let us know that you're here. We want to work you into the conversation. Uh, but today's topic, we are talking about kind of the big topic. Everyone keeps using this phrase, the future of meetings. What does this even mean? Why are we even talking about it? And I think it means something different to everyone. But before we dive into that topic, let me introduce our guest, Joe Schwinger from Meeting Play. Joe, thank you for taking some time to join me today. Yeah, uh, thank you for uh, inviting me. Um, so a little bit of background about me real quick before we get started. I'm a co-CEO of uh, Meeting Play, a very, um, you know, I would call us a white label uh, product. You know, we really stand behind uh, the virtual and the hybrid environments. Um, and work primarily, I would say, at the tier one uh, side of things, uh, typically 5,000 uh, plus. Super excited, uh, have a lot of passion around uh, this topic of the future of meetings uh, and looking forward to some good questions. Yeah, so I mean, this is um, something that I see on a billion webinars, a billion virtual events. It's like a topic at every conference. What is the future of meetings? And I know, I, you know, I was even hesitant to put it as a topic of here because there's just so much to talk about. Um, but when you think of the future of meetings, what do you think of? What does that even mean to you? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that I would say <clears throat> is I, I, I almost feel like we need to stop using this term because over the last six months, as meeting play has been executing hybrid, I actually think that we are in the future of meetings right now. And if we, you know, if we rewind basically two years at this point now, right, pre-pandemic, there was kind of always this race in the event tech uh, world. And to some respects, there still is. But there was always like the next best shiny thing. And all of us were always competing about what that is going to be. And I think one of the most positive things that you could bring out of uh, the pandemic, if, if you could even bring anything positive out of it, is that it's really kind of fast forwarded everybody in the event industry and put us to the point that we're at right now. And the difference between pre-pandemic and where, where we are now is that our attendees our customers have all kind of leaped with us in this technology world, right? Yeah. And that really plays into why I feel like we are living in the future of meetings. You know, in the last six weeks, I've gotten back on the road more uh, than last year. And I literally feel when I walk on property with some of our customers that we are living in this new world that's being executed around us. And let me give you uh, some examples. 
last year, uh, September, October, November, we started doing hybrid events with Marriott to help them understand what this new world was going to be. And about four or five weeks ago, we were back on property with Marriott for their largest customer event. And I literally lived it, right? It was this you know, timeline of best practices from the lens of safety on property last year and the learnings of COVID and taking the attendee experience and adding a layer of safety on top of it. Things like touchless badge printing, things like, you know, the safety measures and the food and beverage. You know, first of all, Marriott is a, they've always been, in my opinion, a leader in this arena, but Michael and Glenn and the rest of the event team literally put on the, the most spectacular display of how to put together a meeting uh, in a COVID environment. But, you know, Marriott's customers, much like all of our customers as meeting planners, well, some of them work for corporations, associations that, although they would love to be there, they're dying to be there. We were just talking about, you know, IMAX and all of our, you know, the reunion that we're going to have. Yeah. There is a subset of people that regardless of their desire to be there, cannot be there. Corporate restrictions. And I also, you know, I would say, you know, life has happened, right? Like people now live remote, childcare is different. Everything about the world that we live in is yeah. different. And the, what we heard loud and clear at this Marriott event from the virtual environment was, thank you so much, Marriott, for providing me a choice. Okay. And that is the, that is the difference pre-COVID versus post-COVID that we really highlight with our customers that there's actually an opportunity right now. Sure, we want to be looking 12 months ahead, but let's not ignore what has happened over the last 12 to 24 months and let's live in right now. And, you know, Marriott had a certain number of people that couldn't make it and basically had to cancel last minute because corporate and think about the investment in that meeting to get everybody together mm -hmm. and how that investment was not lost on the uh, virtual attendees. They still got to see the keynotes. They still got to be a part of, uh, you know, an overall experience. And that's a, a, a key learning, right? The capabilities of providing people choice. And then let me give you one more example before we move on uh, to the next topic. Another, you know, big uh, shout out to the event planning team mm -hmm. at Linux Foundation. They recently did their uh, KubeCon uh, North America in LA. And I mean, LA has been, California has been changing every day, but they still really push forward with putting together a safe and highly interactive uh, environment. And one of the things that when I talk to people about the future of meetings is don't forget about the social norms that have been introduced as part of the virtual world. I have never seen so many speakers go live and address attendees. I mean, prior to the pandemic, right, somebody would give a presentation and 90% of the time they would walk off stage and that was the end of it, right? Not many back-to-back -back meetings like, you know, the big ones are reallocating 10, 20, 30 minutes for Q&A. But that became a norm 
of the virtual environment that I think that the industry as a whole has embraced and attendees now expect. So I, I, I go to this example uh, from, from KubeCon. They said, look, we're going to do this in a hybrid environment, but we are not going to have a second rate uh, experience for our virtual attendees. And there were also, by the way, speakers that gave presentations that could not travel because they were overseas. Sure. And together, using the, the, the best practices of a hybrid environment, the mobile, the virtual, you had speakers overseas that were addressing people that were highly engaged in the room. And then they had the opportunity to interact with people that were you know, 3,000 miles away and vice versa. And honestly, you know, when you think about it, it's like, is this going to be awkward? Resounding everybody was like, wow, we would not have had that experience had we not technology pushed us to move forward. And one of the key things that, um, you know, I keep on talking to my team about is like, don't just listen to our customers, right? What came out of that event was actually an attendee took time out that couldn't travel overseas because of restrictions and wrote this whole medium article about I'm now living in the perfect environment for me. Okay. I'm not an extrovert. I, you know, can't do these things. They don't appeal to me, but the content to me is really important. And this customer Linux foundation provided me an experience that I probably would not have had had they not done this. And I mean, if you look at just those two use cases, to me, we are, we're where we wanted to be three years ago, right? And, and granted, there's a lot more to happen. There's so much consolidation going on in the market. You're seeing so much investment. There's going to be more shiny tools that come out, but I truly believe that we are now living in the new norm. Uh, so that's kind of my take on what exactly is the future of meetings. Let's stop thinking about what's coming six months and let's take advantage of what's happened over the last 24 months with customer and attending movement and really take advantage of it. Yeah, you know, I think, you know, as someone who's been talking about event technology for the last 10 plus years, and I know you've been obviously talking about this for a long time, this, uh, you know, the you mentioned early in what, when you started talking about um, the pandemic. And if there's anything good we could say came from it. I mean, one of the things for sure is that the pandemic pushed forward and technology, as you mentioned, and with it changed human behavior. And I think one of the hardest things for the meeting industry and one of the best is that it forced a lot of people to really rethink. Um, we've been talking about technology for years and years. Hybrid events are not new. You know how many event planners I've heard who said hybrid events are brand new. Virtual events are all brand new. Some people are just now learning the terms hybrid events and thinking about what that could be, though it's been happening for many years in our industry and in other industries. Uh, it's forced an industry, ours, that really didn't want to change to change. I read this um, very interesting article today. It was, the question was, and if you're watching, I would love to uh, hear what you guys think as well. The question was, what is one pre-pandemic thing that you used to do that you will never do again? And uh, there were some funny things in there, like I'll never go bowling and eat at the same time. 
<laughs> one of those things you just think about. Uh, but there were a lot of thoughts around, I won't be doing the long commutes anymore. I won't feel bad calling in sick when I'm not feeling well at work. I won't feel bad about uh, not working in person all the time. And to your earlier point about childcare changing and workplace changing, what that means for our attendees is really significant and what they expect and what they want. You know, it's, it's like once these options, another uh, thing that I read from that article was uh, this idea of no contact delivery. Let's say you wanted food delivered or something. Now, there's no reason that couldn't have been happening two years ago. But now people like that idea. They want that to stay. They want the idea that I don't have to interact with you at all. <laughs> I just want you to leave it on my doorstep and let's just, you know, that's how we interact. And I think that that's really interesting. And I think one thing to, to consider here is you mentioned, like, let's not look too far in the future. I think event planners are so, um, they're so far behind that they, to your point, they need to catch up on what has happened in the last year and a half yeah. and really soak in what this means for moving forward. Um, I talked to someone yesterday who was saying, you know, like we can't even plan. There's no business structure where we can plan three months out because it is going to change no matter what planning we do. That's the world we live in. So instead of looking at the future and what exactly it's going to look like in a few years, what about what we've just been through and what that means for our attendees and therefore for our events? Um, we do have a question from someone who's watching, Brandy, who wants to know, do you think corporate restrictions will significantly impact on-site event attendance in 22? It's a great question, uh, Brandy. <laughs> um, so uh, yes, uh, unfortunate or fortunate, I'm not sure which one it is. Um, you know, one of the best uh, quarters that Meeting Play has is Q1 for company kickoffs and sales kickoffs. And what we saw was a high desire to go back on property and get these companies together because they have not been together in the same room in, in some regards in two years, right? And, you know, the Delta variant really put that into perspective for a lot of people. There was this huge rush of it's over let's get these hotels booked, let's start planning. And then all of a sudden you had uh, states that were closing down again, that there were restrictions around meetings and they weren't going to uh, open that up. And I think that that was the reality point, not just for our customers, but for the whole industry. Mm -hmm. Well, I better have a backup plan. And some of those smart meeting planners forgot about what happened you know, in March of last year and it was really uh, a snapping point of, okay, I need to take advantage of the things that I've learned over the last couple of years. So we absolutely, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I would probably say about 50% of our hybrid business for Q1 has moved virtual only. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of cons around that, but the companies that we work with are rallying around the pros of what the virtual environment brings to the table. Some examples, right? A company kickoff maybe only was one or two days. Now it's a whole week, right? And there's a rally around the energy. Um, there's a lot of best practices that we're building upon, but absolutely, you know, it's a little bit different for an association to have a meeting versus a corporate environment and the legal constraints of that to get their whole company together. Uh, and unfortunately, it is playing a role, I would say. 
in uh, Q1. I, I do want to highlight something else that you, you said prior to asking this question, in that we absolutely at Meeting Play saw things come full circle. So March of last year, for the first five weeks of, you know, March 13th, 100% of our business canceled in 24 hours. And five weeks after that, the only thing that we did for the most part was education because people just had absolutely no idea how to handle this virtual <laughs> environment, right? Yeah. So the good news is, is that we had some virtual tools and we were basically enhancing, selling, and educating. And that's absolutely where we are, to your point, you know, over the last, I would say, three to four weeks is we, you know, our team, account management, sales, marketing, leadership, have fallen back into an education um, mode, right, of here's how you can successfully put together a hybrid environment. And by the way, you know, one of the other most prominent questions, and I'm surprised I haven't seen this come in on the comments yet, is how do I not lose money by putting together a hybrid environment? There is this notion out there from planners that double the cost, double the effort, yes. you know, half the reward. And I mean, quite frankly, I would say if you're doing it wrong, go by right. that. But sure. Now that we are executing hybrid, I can tell you that most of our customers are actually on the positive side of ROI. Um, now, we look at events uh, at Meeting Play as part of the funnel, the top end of the funnel, middle, and the bottom end of the funnel. It's those top end to the middle end of the funnel, the larger meetings where there is 5,000 on property and 50,000 people virtual, those are actually becoming highly successful related to an ROI. But even the lower funnel, the highly targeted, we're starting to see really good ROI there. So not only are we leveraging best practices, but we're leveraging the marketing components of the funnel and what we've learned, and we're making these events profitable for, for folks that we're losing money in a virtual only in, uh, environment. Yeah, I mean, I think I completely agree that people who say that just haven't done enough hybrid or they're not doing it strategically enough. If it's double the work and double the money and you're getting half the return, you're not doing it correctly. <laughs> you're not leveraging all of these tools. Uh, what are some of the best practices you're seeing in terms of that revenue piece since you brought it up that brands are doing to make more money by going hybrid as compared to virtual only or even in person only they're making more money yeah so I'll, I'll talk on the hybrid side and let's talk about our our friends the sponsors right so we absolutely went on this roller coaster as event professionals and event tech professionals related to sponsor engagement let's rewind back to march april our first major virtual environments there was this um there was this thought initially, sponsors hate virtual environments, right? And I go back to the education component of our event providers. Sure, for the first couple virtual events with the sponsors who were new to this medium, they may not have received a great ROI. But in November last year, when we started to poll our sponsors about going from virtual 
back to on property, overwhelming what we heard from our sponsors were, well, don't take away the virtual reach of what we've been getting over the last couple right. months. And that's kind of that up and down that we were seeing. I hate it. I love it. I don't like it. Don't take it away. Yeah. So what we've been doing in, you know, um, in, in the meet and play world is really providing the best of both worlds and our meeting planners, the capabilities of moving their sponsors up in terms of their sponsorships to, you know, make a little bit more revenue by adding more value. And, and at the end of the day, it all comes down to perceived value from your sponsors. So one of the things that we launched that's been very successful is our go live feature of the mobile app. So literally the sponsors within the booth click a button and they go live. And one of the most popular components of our virtual environment was that go live when sponsors could interact, present with the virtual attendees. So here's the most important thing that I want to say. We didn't remove functionality. We augmented and enhanced. So we gave our event planners, don't worry about coming on property. You're going to get more value by having on property targeted attendees walk into your booth. Oh, and by the way, we're then going to give you technology solutions to bring that conversation to the virtual environment. So you're going to have 500 people, 1,000 people in your booth, but we're still going to give you the 10,000 people that can come into your virtual environment and watch things happen. And again, it boils down to perceived value, okay? If they were on the fence about that investment to get on property, we've got them over the hump that they're going to get the best of both worlds. And that's kind of some of the tactics that we're using to get over that notion of I'm losing all of the people that I used to have in the virtual environment. And, you know, this is where, this is where you're going to see, in my opinion, probably the most movement over the next six months is at least at meeting play, we're consolidating all of our tools, lead retrieval, session tracking, virtual, on property, attendee mobile app, they all today now speak from one brain and they can all interact with each other so that when somebody's asking a question within the virtual environment, it's coming into the leader retrieval that we know is in the hand of the sponsor. And all these touch points should be working together. When they do so, again, this is what you're selling and increasing your um, ROI for the event because sponsors will pay more. But also, here's the biggest thing that's changed, okay? I tell people... In the virtual environment, you are competing with nobody, right? Either you make it for free and they view the content or you put a gate in front of them. The, the beauty of the hybrid environment is, well, now we're ultimately given choice, okay? You can spend time, money, travel, on-site fees, hotel, and that's X, right? Or... You can spend Y, which obviously is lower, to attend virtually. And that, for our customers in the tech environment that we're doing a lot of the free, that's where they've been able to move the needle a little bit in charging for the virtual environment. And then obviously, when you're talking about those numbers of 10,000, 20,000 people, even at $99, it starts to pay for itself pretty quickly. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I first joined the industry in like 2007, 2008, everyone was talking about this idea of virtual cannibalizing the in-person. And it's shocking to me really that people are still having that conversation in 2021 because we've seen that there's so, the experiences are so different and therefore the costs are different. You know, I, in the last year and a half, I've heard a lot of event organizers say we were, we're charging $549 for our in-person and no one wants to pay it for the virtual. Well, why do you think that's the case? Because it's a totally different experience and it should be. So what does that price point look like? And what do they get access to? And what do they not get access to? And, and where do these two pieces fit into your long-term strategy as an organization? Do you want more people on site in 2023 than in 2022? Or do you want more virtual? I mean, there are organizations who are building those numbers you're talking about on the virtual side, the 10, 20, they want that to be 100,000 in the next five years. And that's really their goal, which is a completely different strategy than people who want to just go back to what they were doing in person and not have to deal with <laughs> this whole virtual yeah. thing anymore. Well, and, and I think that that's a good point, right? And I, I hate to keep, go back to this analogy because I feel like everybody's using it, but if it costs me $1,000 to go to the Super Bowl, I'm not going to spend a thousand dollars to watch the Super Bowl, and you know basically the pricing component is a very important part of the overall strategy. And again, it goes down to perceived value. Why would I spend this when I could spend the same and be there in person? And let's all just be, you know, look, nobody loves virtual more than I love virtual, but I'm also still that. That <laughs> I'm still the guy that says nothing can replace being on property with all of my peers and being a part of that. And there's, and I think as we're talking about the future of meetings, here's what we're hearing from our customers, right? They are totally comfortable having an in-person only event. And those are the ones that are going to be lower down the funnel. Very qualified customers probably already buy from us, spend millions of dollars, and we need high touch, um, you know, on property. And they're totally fine with not having a hybrid component because you can't extend up right in that particular component. And then we also have customers that say, we're only going to have to your point, right? They only want to have a hundred thousand people in the virtual environment at the top of the funnel. And it's more about awareness. And that's, that's, that's the beauty of what we've been given, right? Is two or three years ago when we were having the discussion, it was, can we get attendees to switch their mindset? to be thinking in that way, that a virtual environment is actually going to educate them and provide all the needs of what they're looking for. And I truly believe, I'll say this, knowing there's always room for improvement, but we've come a long way to where attendees feel as though they're getting most of their needs satisfied. And that's the way that we should really be looking at it, is where on the funnel does this event hit and what tools do we have in our arsenal, whether it be virtual, on property, hybrid, to execute against that. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that continue to change, you know, that that value that they feel like they've gotten now that they weren't getting 2 years ago will be even stronger as event organizers learn how to harness virtual and hybrid tools. And I, I won't be surprised if in a few years you're paying more for a virtual ticket than you're paying for an in-person when we do it well and people yeah. come to expect value and not pre-recorded webinar junk that they're getting now. Um, well, that actually hits on a question that just came in that. Yeah. So who's doing it well? And to your point that you just made, 
where do we see the scales tip a little bit where people might pay more in a virtual environment they, than they would on property? And I'll, uh, maybe I'll answer this question, but we're running out of time. Honestly, in the educational market, and again, we work uh, a lot in the tech sector where it's product education. This is where I think the, 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 the needle moves first, because when you are on property, you can only be in one room at a time. And when you miss something over here, you miss it. It's gone. But part of, you know, if you polled 100 uh, attendees in the education sector, they would probably overwhelmingly tell you that they prefer the virtual environment because it's more conducive to what they're trying to do. Learn, better understand at their own pace instead of somebody else's pace. Yep. And they can be in five different rooms at the same time, right? They can move from product X to product Y and you know they can basically not miss anything. And that's, that's where I see the, the needle really moving is in the product education and then the education entertainment obviously you know there's a lot of opportunity there but when you educate somebody and you hit on their interest you can move them uh from a dollar's perspective i think much faster than a concert for 60 minutes yeah well and you, you know using the concert example i think there are cases where people i've seen um vip virtual experiences where before the concert happens you're one-on-one -on -one virtually with the the artist and you get to ask them your questions and you get your meet and greet that you would never probably have been able to afford doing in person or you the tickets were sold out or whatever and the capacity becomes larger for that artist to reach there i think there's just so many cool things that can happen here and we are running tight on time so we're going to have to wrap it up i want to end with this comment from lauren who's watching on youtube she says is engagement something different to everyone should we start looking to attendees for their opinion on what is truly engaging in virtual and hybrid meetings with this new normal absolutely i think that is exactly one of the biggest takeaways from the conversation we've had today is that engagement means something different to everyone virtual hybrid, in-person, they have different value levels to everyone and every organization. And I think it's more important for us to be asking our attendees right now, what do you want? What does that look like? How do you want to receive content? How, you know, Brandy asks, what's the mix between virtual content that's entertaining and engaging and educational? Ask your attendees because you're going to find that that is different at every level. Every person will feel differently and the beauty of hybrid is that it gives us the opportunity to serve our attendees in all of these different ways. Um, obviously, we have limited resources. We can only do so much as individuals. But really, I think a great point to end on. Uh, Joe, thank you so much for sharing your insights with us today and really getting this conversation started. If people want to connect more with you, where do you want them to connect? Oh, find me on LinkedIn uh, and send me a connection request and let's chat. Uh, LinkedIn forward slash Joe Schwinger. Thanks, everybody. Perfect. Thanks, everyone. We will see you next week with another episode of the Event Hustler Show. Thank you for joining and commenting and being part of the conversation. And uh, we'll see you all next week. Have a great week. Until then, hustle hard.